Hello and welcome to the Deeply Rooted Podcast. We are here to root deep together in God's Word so that we can live lives of unshakable faith. My name is Ben Jacobson. I am one of the pastors here at Hope Lutheran in Fargo, North Dakota, and I am joined today by my colleague, Pastor Mike Toomey. Welcome, Mike. It is good to be here. Yes, it has been quite a journey that we've been on as we've walked through Scripture and we've journeyed with the Israelites through lots of different things. And today we are opening for the first time the book of Numbers, which is exciting. Uh, Numbers is kind of a history, kind of a a story of of the continued wandering of God's people. Well, I thought it was accountants really like this book. <laughs> it's a terrible joke, but <clears throat> anyway, yes, you are correct. It is that uh, uh, continued history of uh, the the Israelite wanderings. Yeah. Yes, and today we're going to learn about, hear about, read about some some scouting that's done by the the Israelites. Mike, have you ever done any scouting? I have done a lot of scouting in my life. I, I love to be in the outdoors, so whether that's hunting, fishing, um, but sometimes it's a matter of just going out and exploring the land. Uh, I think about last summer, one of the things I really had a lot of fun was trying to find chanterelle mushrooms. Mm. And it's, you've got to find the right trees, and you got to find the right ecosystem and trying to find all of those sorts of things that 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 micro habitat that has the proper um, everything you need for chanterelle mushrooms and so looking and searching and looking and searching and finally when the day comes when all of a sudden they all bloom and blossom Mm. and whatnot and come up and so you found some i did it was good really i dried a whole bunch still got still got some left wow i think i got enough for the year so have you ever found morel mushrooms i have <clears throat> but um, I can't show you where I find those. <laughs> I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna scout. <laughs> you're gonna. I'm gonna scout. You're, you're gonna. You're gonna spy on me. Is what you're gonna do. Yes. Yep. There's yep. nothing <clears throat> like like those wild mushrooms, and they just they come for such a brief season, and then they're gone. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Actually, right about now, um, as we're looking at this in our in our year, would be the perfect time to be out. It might be a little cold yet because of our uh, because of how the the spring shaped up, but. If you are looking and spying for morel mushrooms, I'd recommend that you get out there and take a look. Take a look. Take a peek. Well, I may have to do that. Bring your uh, bug spray. Maybe this story will inspire me to get out into the wilderness and mm-hmm. look around a little bit. Uh, we are in chapter 13 of the book of Numbers, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 3 and then verses 16 through 33. We're reading from the NIV, if you'd like to follow along. The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. These are the names of the men Moses sent to explore the land. Moses gave Hosea, son of Nun, the name Joshua. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? 
Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees on it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. So they went up and explored the land from the desert of Zin, as far as Rehob, toward Lego Hamath. They went up through the Negev and came to Hebron, where Ahiman, Shishai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, lived. Hebron had been built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. When they reached the valley of Eshol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshol because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. and The cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. And the Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we certainly, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw are a great of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak came from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, Mike, uh, what stood out to you? When I'm hearing this and when I was reading it and getting ready to teach it, one of the things that really jumped out at me was the report that these, we often call them spies, um, <laughs> um, but what were the report of the, the, the spies? And, and there's several things that happened within their report. Um, verse 27, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you gave us. It does flow with milk and honey and there is fruit. That's a truth. Um, the, verse 28, but the people there who live there are powerful and cities are fortified and very large. We even just saw a descendants of the knock there. That's truth as well. But if you notice that as they continue to give their report, 
they stop focusing on the milk and honey. They stop focusing on the this God that's delivered them not so long ago from slavery through plagues um, and then also delivered them through the Red Sea. They, they stop focusing on this God that's delivered them time and time and time again. They begin to focus on the people that live there and how hard it's going to be to overcome. So you get into, let's say, verse 29, the Amalekites lived in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country, the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Again, that's truth. And then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we, we should go up and take possession of the land. We should certainly do it. So, so Caleb is one of two spies that's um, godly. Hmm. He's focused on God. Hmm. Um, ten of them, though, are going to go into that point where they're really afraid of what's there. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. And they said, the land we explored devours the living in it. All the people we saw there were of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of the Anak come from the Nephilim. We, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same to them. This is a distorted and exaggerated report used to induce fear in the people so that they don't go into the land. Almost trying to make a mutiny happen. Yeah, and a mutiny does happen in the next chapter. Hmm. We have a, a, a terrible situation that grows out of this distorted report that they begin to give. And when our view, so I think one of the most important things that I've learned here from my own faith is that when I'm going into difficult situations, I have to keep my eye on the God who has saved us. Hmm. I have to keep my eye on this God that's uh, saved the people of Israel. I need to keep my eye on, on the God who has overcome sin and death and the devil. And if I focus on that, I'm going to go into the situation with a profound faith. If I focus on the problem. I'm going to have tremendous trouble. And that's exactly what begins to happen. I think it's also really interesting is how hard it is. And we're going to, we're going to see that in the rest of this particular part of the story of how hard it is to overcome a lie. Hmm. So this exaggerated, distorted viewpoint, there, there's some lies in there. We saw the Nephilim. They did not see the Nephilim. They just saw some really big people there. Um, you know, sometimes when um, people of my stature, I'm, a, I'm, I'm about 6'2", go to foreign countries, I am a giant. But not a Nephilim. But not a Nephilim, no. I'm a big person, but I'm not a Nephilim. Um, and that's the thing, right? They didn't see a Nephilim there. They, 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 they just saw some really tall people. And I think that's where things just begin to get so distorted. So you continue on to the next chapter. And that night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. And all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, if we had only died in Egypt. I think we've talked about that murmuring tradition um, already where um, the people of Israel, um, they, they face a problem in, in Holy Scripture here. And what happens? They grumble and couldn't we just have died in Egypt or couldn't we just go back to Egypt? Uh, at least we had food there. That's one of the, this is another occasion of that. 
And it's that bad report from these 10 spies, 10 of the spies out of the 12, that, uh, that drives this mutiny. Um, you know, Moses and Aaron, um, Joshua and Caleb, they try to stop it. Um, they show immense repentance and disgust over um, people's behavior towards this bad report and to the bad report itself. Um, they do that in verse 5. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down, and the whole Israelite assembly gathered there, and Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. Man, that's a big name, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes, and said the entire to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we pass through and explore is exceedingly good. Hmm. And people could not run into that truth because of a lie that had already been spread. So there's a couple things that are getting in the way. Um, and I think you just named both of them. And it it stems, I think, from, from the short-sightedness of God's people. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a very human thing to yep. see. Here they are, and, and this whole thing comes about because God had made a promise long ago. Mm-hmm. That that his people would inherit this land, right? And they've been on this long, long journey to get there. And I think in their minds they know. Eventually, it it will happen. Uh, they've seen God deliver them over and over, but their experience in the moment makes it difficult to trust that promise. Yes, yes, it does. How human. Is that when I read this story, I, I am immediately time and time again. I think of my my own life and and how the experiences, the things that, that we feel, the the things that we face, get in the way of us being able to see the bigger picture as God sees it. Right. There is a tendency for us to go, man. These people are so blind and, and 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 all that sort of thing yes but so are we yeah and and i think that's to realize that this story here is our story this is a story of all all people um where we are blind to the goodness that god has been delivering us from time and time again um you know every morning god wakes us wakes us up every morning i've had food there's blessing after blessing after blessing. And if I don't focus on the blessing, and I focus on those, again, those problems, and I would even say minor problems, if I don't focus on the God who has blessed me with that, um, there is tremendous difficulty in my own life. So it's important to focus on God and to focus on the fact that the land is exceedingly good wherever you're at. So it's that, that short-sightedness, the, the balance of experience, uh, Dwelling on the the negative experiences of our lives and not being gratitude sort of opens us up to to the blessings of God to see that. Um, the other thing that's that I see as a inhibitor to to God's people really trusting in this promise is what you named as the lie, mm-hmm. the lie that is told by. Uh, certain people who had gone up with with the spies they start to spread this bad report 
And it's almost as if there are two voices. There's the, the voices of the, the leaders, Moses, Aaron, Joshua, Caleb. Yep. And then there's the voice of the lie. Yep. And who are the people listening to? They listen to the lie. Hmm. <clears throat> they listen to the lie. So there's Moses and Aaron. There, there's Caleb. There's Joshua. And Caleb, um, you know, very much this land is exceedingly good. We should go and take it. Um, <clears throat> you know, they're, they're moving through all of this. And then all of a sudden in verse 10, but the whole assembly talked about stoning them. And I believe what that them is, is that would be Moses, Aaron, Joshua, and Caleb. And these are the people who have brought them along through through God's hand. Yeah. Uh, these are the people who have spoken blessing, who have led them out of slavery. And Yep. And it takes a theophany to save them. A theophany is when God shows up visibly. And that's what happens here in uh, verse 10, 11, uh, verse 11, the Lord said to Moses, or, you know, in verse 10, it's here, the second half of verse 10, then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of the meeting to all the Israelites. Hmm. <laughs> it's kind of like all of a sudden God shows up as they're complaining. And then God says these things, you know, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Um, it, God's ready to wipe out the people of Israel at this point. You know, he, I'll save you, Moses, and I'll make you a great nation. But the rest of them, the rest of them, I, I want to wipe out with a plague, which sounds very uh, redundant from what, what had happened earlier right. in Exodus. And they know he can do yeah, it. Yeah, we, we know he can do it. Um, <clears throat> I think another powerful part of this story is verses 13 through about... I would say 19 in, in chapter 14. And in that, in those particular verses, Moses begins to plead for the people and trying to change and soften God's punishment upon the people. And, and what Moses does is he appeals to the Lord's reputation. God, <clears throat> I know you can do it. I know they certainly deserve to be wiped out here, but what are the Egyptians going to say about you? What are all the people around in this territory going to say about you? They're going to say that he couldn't even bring them into the land himself. Um, and so he begins to appeal to the Lord's reputation. And then he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just stop to the Lord's reputation. But then he goes to the very nature of God. I, I, earlier in Exodus, God had described himself the second time he gave um, the tablets to, uh, to, to Moses. You know, Moses went up the Mount Sinai, came down, had smashed the tablets because he saw the people practicing idolatry. He went back up with a second set to get them engraved. Um, and when he went up that second time, God described who he was in very similar words to verse 18. And at this point, Moses speaks them back to God. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love, and forgiving sin and rebellion. So he appeals to the Lord's reputation. He appeals to the Lord's nature. And God does forgive. But there are certainly some consequences for their unfaithfulness. And the consequences of this are the people over the age of 20 
will not enter into the promised land. That an entire generation is going to have to die off in the wilderness so that an entire generation is raised up in the wilderness. A whole generation that trusts God day by day so that they can actually go into that land and keep their eyes focused on him and overcome and take that land. Some of the rest of this chapter is is really about that. Um, But that's why these chapters are important for us to know. Is this is why Israel ended up wandering the desert for 40 years. It's because of the consequences of believing the lie that the enemy was bigger than their God. And God was going to need to raise up an entire generation to live by faith. So one of the places that I go with that is who, who are the voices in my life? Mm-hmm. What are the voices? Because certainly there are the voices drawing me from God, the voices that are pulling me back towards God. Which ones am I going to listen to? Which ones am I going to let have space in my life? And and I think we all know that there are consequences when we listen to the to the voices that that tell the lie, it sends us wandering in the wilderness. Yep. Hopefully not for forty years. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. This is uh, you know, another thing that sticks out to me here is. Once again, uh, Moses and God have these conversations, and we've seen before that, that mm-hmm. Moses is able to to have some influence with God. What do you make of that? I think <laughs> it shows to me that prayer is important. Yes, yes. And so, if you're not the praying kind, um, this isn't this is a story that says maybe you should rethink that and reconsider that. Um, if you're not praying a lot. Um, this is a, this is a, a an opportunity to be inspired by the prayers of Moses, and to be to realize just how honest that prayer is, and, and um, I think that's one of the great things about the Old Testament is many of the the leaders who prayed prayed very boldly with God. Moses is clearly one of them, and right here is is prime example. He saves all of Israel by jumping into the middle and saying, God, <clears throat> what about your reputation? And God, what about your very nature? Your nature isn't to destroy them, but your nature is to be abounding in steadfast love, slow to anger, and forgiving sin and rebellion. That's who you are, God. Yes. So prayer is important. Pray boldly. <clears throat> Pray. Pray boldly. Where do we, as, as we've looked at all of these stories that we've encountered as we've made our way through uh, these these uh, chapters, we've always been able to see a glimpse of of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Where do we see Jesus in in these pages? When I think about that question, I think I see Jesus, and he was the one who was able to keep his eyes on the Father through everything that he faced. We think about Jesus 
in the boat during a storm up in Galilee. And when he's there, Jesus is sleeping. Why is he sleeping? He's, he's not anxious about the storm. He, he knows that God has his back, right? The Father has his back. Um, and so he's not worried about the things around him. I think also when he goes to the cross, he faces the cross with the human emotions that you would expect you and I do, but he's able to face it because he knows that God the Father is bigger than the powers of sin and death and the devil. Jesus is the perfect example of this, and not just an example then, but because of what Jesus did, Jesus is the Savior because he's able to keep his eyes on the relationship with his Father. On who God is. So let's fix our eyes there as we come to a close today. And, and I'm just going to read that portion of verse 18 in the 14th chapter again. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love, and forgiving sin and rebellion. Yep. That is who God is. Yep. Uh, no matter what you're facing in your life, no matter what I'm facing, God is slow to anger, and he is abounding in love, and he forgives sin. I think that's this is who God is, and so we move we move forward in that in that promise, and that's the nature of God. So the invitation for us is to rest in that promise, to pray boldly to that God who is always good. We're going to continue this podcast next week. We hope to see you back. We hope that you stay deeply rooted in God's Word. Don't forget to like, to subscribe, to share, so that others can join us on this journey. God's peace and blessings to you this week. 